This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Eh, whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 205 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Conley Jr. And with me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming off of Turning Point. That was our latest episode, I believe. And at that show, we had quite a bit going on. Uh, It was a good show, even though I kind of forgot we did it, but... I've been sick, so you got to give me some leeway here. Um, We have a new number one contender for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And it's our boy, Captain Charisma, Christian Cage, uh, coming out of that event. We also have a new exhibition champion, Samoa Joe. He won the title. And then uh, in the, the third installment of the trilogy, Jeff Jarrett retained over uh, Rhino. And we have a whole bunch of other stuff coming out of that show that we're going to touch on, but that's really the main stuff. Well, there's a, <clears throat> there's a big one that you're missing, Bob, and we were going to discuss it a pretty decent amount here. Just kick us off. What's the What am I missing? At the end of the main event, the lights went out. They turned back on, and in the middle of the ring, there was a chair with a baseball bat, oh, a well, pair of boots. There. Yeah, that doesn't count. And a trench coat. Yeah, doesn't count. So, yeah, that's a fair thing to mention there is that um, so, somebody went into the ring when the lights were off, set up a chair, put a jacket and boots there, and then left and the lights went back on. And then we're supposed to believe that Sting magically is taunting Jeff Jarrett with his gear. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me, but. I think he was there, and he ran in, and he did that. And then he slipped himself under the ring quick. That would make almost no sense. Zero. Yeah, so we have, we're have we actually going to talk about that a decent amount before we even get into um, our, our pay-per-view talk, which there's some pretty interesting stuff in there as well. If you tell me in your notes that, that Sting hasn't signed and they've done that, I, I will just... I'll freak out. Well, we do have a history of not signing people before announcing things. Yes. Um, I mean, uh, do you remember when they said China was coming and then she did not? That's like the one that sticks well, out the most to me. Up. Yeah, she didn't show up. Yeah. Um, Hulk Hogan. We announced the, it. Chi- the China one sticks out to you more than Hogan. I forgot about the Hogan one because I feel like that was. Um, the Hogan one is, is I think, probably worse because they literally show all the videos of Jarrett, like, attacking him in Japan. And they're like, Hogan right. is coming. And then it was just like, okay. And then we just, like, he's not coming. So we're just going to keep showing the video of Jarrett attacking him anyways. And they had, and they teased it, like, twice. 
Mm-hmm. I just like, re- I just remember them being wicked pumped. Jo- Joni is coming, the former China, and then it was just like nothing, just nothing. At least the Hogan one, they kept like saying stuff about. Yeah. I'm sure there was more. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. And but. you know what though, technically, they do come. Right. I mean, they didn't really lie. They were just about 15 years ahead of the ahead of themselves. At That's least. just long-term booking. I mean, it's true. Um, but yeah, regardless, it was a it was a pretty good show. I believe we both gave it a thumbs up. So, I say let's get into this. Let's hear what the uh, uh, Dave Meltzer thought in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. And before that, Bob, do you think that the readers agreed with us? Did they give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? They're going to give it a thumbs up. Yeah, and it's by a lot. 82.6% gave it a thumbs up. Zero gave it a thumbs down. And 17.4% were in the middle. So if you want your numbers here, 37 people were in the middle and 181 voted thumbs up. And once again, zero were thumbs down. 181. Wow, that's a pretty big response. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Back when we had weekly pay-per-views when there was like seven. Yeah, there was a couple times it was like nearly nothing. Yeah, six people said uh, thumbs up. To the point where I I can't believe he continued doing the voting, but I think he does it with all pay-per-views, so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, What about the best match on the show? I know we didn't run down the card, but I know you probably have it in front of you, and we're going to talk about it anyways. Uh, I'm going to say Styles and Joe. Yeah, so 218 people voted that as their favorite match. And um, Dave notes, every single response we got listed this match as the best, one of the few times in history of our polls that something like this has happened. So there wasn't even a second one. Uh, what about the worst match? Um, all right, this is a toss-up between two. Now I'm trying to figure out if they would, if Dale Torborg would return to the ring and be voted the worst match. They save it and doubter in it, but then for life crew and Team Canada, but there was the turn by Conan, so then maybe people would like that. So I'm gonna say the worst match was uh, Torborg's. Well, that was actually third. So believe it or not. The vote, worst voted match was Raven versus Chris K. Canyon. What? No. I, I disagree. I also disagree. But it's by a decent amount. Um, what? In second no place way. was the four life crew and Team Canada match. Then it's the <laughs> Diamonds in the Rough versus Dutch Saban and Torborg. And then finally in fourth place was Jarrett versus Rhino. Okay. I No way. I, Chris K and, and Raven was not even on my radar. I know. I knew that was going to throw you off there because that's heck. fucking bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. No it's way. a weird one. But needless to say, that's uh, where we're at with that. Hmm. Okay. Let's get into the notes. So we're going to, like I said, we're, let's talk about, we're going to talk about the Stinger first and then we'll kind of dive into the matches with our, our brief chat about all of them as we always do and the star ratings, which I think is kind of fun this time around. So, so TNA has made. The highest priced acquisition in the history of the company when it signed Sting to come out of what was basically a nearly five-year retirement as a full-time performer. Now, the signing took place this week, believed to be a one-year contract, 
with Spike TV kicking in a significant part of the mid-six-figure deal. It is believed Spike set a precedent by kicking in money for Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz to appear on the Ultimate Fighter 3 this spring, helping with getting Ortiz back in the fold, who theoretically would build the brand equity of their original programming as well as ratings. In addition, preliminary discussions have started for a wrestler who would be an even bigger mainstream name but would not be working full-time. So they uh, they pitched in the money here, Bob, because they pitched in money for Shamrock and Ortiz on the Ultimate Fighter. So that is how Spike kind of started <laughs> pitching in money for contracts for TNA, it seems, which I think is really for, interesting. For Tito and Ken to be on Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, so Spike helped with that. So they set the precedent here to help with the, once again, mid-six-figure deal for Sting for a one-year contract. So mid-six would mean, what, 500 grand? 500,000. And we will talk about that number again um, probably today and also next week. Um, There's some notes that relate to that. But anyways, Dave says, there's no question that bringing Sting in for a short program would be a plus, just the curiosity value. Uh, Sting has made... A short program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. In hindsight, dude, this is so funny to me. It's so funny. Uh, Sting has made half a dozen or more appearances over the years for TNA, which in his mind were repaying a favor to Jerry Jarrett for giving him a start in wrestling. However, by the time that TNA uh, finally got on television with FSN, Sting felt that he had repaid the debt and was no longer interested. And we've heard that quite a bit. Um, Now, he also notes how every year, Generally, a few months before WrestleMania, WWE and Sting would talk. And at one point, they were even close to a deal. And in the end, for whatever reason, it never happened. Sting was adamant that he didn't want a full-time schedule. Plus, for WWE, Sting is better in small doses, maybe working two months out of the year to build to a pay-per-view match here and there. So, of course, Sting does not go there for a long, long, long time. And then he does, and he gets hurt. So anyway. He doesn't go there for... What, 20 years? It's fucking crazy. That's so fucking crazy, dude. Like, what in the world? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Um, there have been talks with uh, Steve Borden and TNA dating back several months, Dave notes. Uh, there has been a lot of talk that TNA has the match quality to be a major player here, uh, but it doesn't have the star power. Now, TNA, as we know, has attempted over the past year with names like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and uh, Diamond Dale's Page. To use past 40 stars of their uh, glory period of WCW as a way to introduce fans to the product. The feeling in all cases was that they were more short-term. It's hard to say what they meant, although pay-per-view buys were higher when they were on the shows. But there were a lot of factors that played into that. Now the question remains. After two months, where will Sting fit in? Uh, The way the angle is scheduled to play out is that after a few weeks of teases... Um, He will be announced right after midnight on New Year's Eve on the Spike TV special. If you're wondering what that is, we're going to talk about it, the Spike TV special, uh, during this show. Uh, But uh, New Year's Eve falls on a Saturday night in TNA. Well, well, I guess we're talking about it right now. I didn't know. I forgot that it was this part here, but we'll talk about it more, too. Uh, So New Year's Eve falls on a Saturday night, and TNA is going to be running an 8 p.m. primetime show, um, which will be designed to promote uh, both promote the best of UFC 2005 special from 9 p.m. to midnight, as well as celebrating a countdown to New Year's with TNA with the big announcement, um, as well as some other things which I don't want to spoil. Um, but like they're promoting like the first match of 2006. So 
this is all kind of happening um, on a special that we're we're taping here. The storyline uh, will be that due to contractual issues, the big surprise that will change the face of wrestling in 2006 can't be announced until New Year, until the New Year. So that TNA is getting a special time slot for at midnight for the announcement. I have a feeling we're going to hear that over the next couple shows that we are watching here. But just so you have an idea, that's what we're kind of working with. Uh, the obvious problem with Sting is, according to Dave, because of his salary and star power, he's going to be pushed as the top star of the promotion. But TNA has to be able to get people like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe over as mainstream stars to help really make it. So he really talks about, and he kind of goes into depth more about how do we keep our TNA stars, you know, in a good place while also working Sting into the mix. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, now, during the week, Tina's website announced the tease for Sting as something that would change the face of wrestling that would be announced at the pay-per-view. When the Jarrett vs. Rhino main event ended, when Jarrett, uh, keeping the title, the lights went out, the Scorpion image flashed, and there were chants of Sting, even when the lights were out, as the rumors had already gotten out two days before the announcement. Um, and fans did actually expect Sting to be there, even though Dave says that they reported that he was not going to be there. Um, and of course, as we already discussed, there's a chair with a black trench coat, wrestling boots, and a black baseball bat. Um, there, anyways. Um, the bad news was that after the show went off the air, the fans started chanting, what a ripoff, because he wasn't there live. Um, so, anyways. And he also says, which is funny, because Bob, you kind of agree with this kind of thing, uh, saying that his signing would change the face of wrestling came off to me as overplaying their hand. <laughs> Um, this is also the second straight pay-per-view that was sold on a mystery surprise that never mentioned head of time on television because Genesis had Christian Cage. Right. It's, it's dude, it's so interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, so a, a couple of things here. Um, if they're going to reveal Sting as being a part of TNA at the new year, um, you know, dropping the Dropping the ball, and here's the big bump, whatever type of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of comical that their announcement would be the signing of a 46-year-old wrestler. <laughs> That's going to change the landscape of professional. Changing his face, dude. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> and I think... I kind of think that that... Um, I think you can make the argument that Sting coming in diminishes Christian a little bit. Well, that's kind of like the, one of those things, right? You got you just got Christian in, and now we're uh, we're already going to be overshadowing that with Sting, right? Yeah, they can't like they won't right let any, They won't let anything just breathe. Yeah, I mean, you it's could just constant. I mean, and the AW was really good at this for well. There's a couple weeks where it was like constant huge signings remember yeah. it was like remember it was like we we got adam cole and then we got brian danielson like in the same promo and then like oh, two, yeah. two weeks before maybe we were yeah two weeks before it was like cm punk came back and it was just like i mean i was loving it but it was just like holy crap there's so much going on right um so yeah, yeah. i probably would have let christian um get a little comfortable yeah. You know, make a name, make a splash here, and then be like, oh, by the way, Sting's coming in. You know, or... Right. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It, it just seems like it kind of diminishes him a little bit. 
And I think that's fair to say. Uh, I also, but also they're saying like uh, Sting coming in will allow, you know, introduce um, people to the promotion, or whatever. I think that any WCW fan that left in 2001 is not coming back in 2006. Yeah, it's kind of a long ways away for, to for try spin. to get someone back. Yeah, I don't. I think they've detached. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't realize he was 46 at this point because his birthday isn't until March. Yeah, March yeah, 12. it's um, it's 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 so funny to look look back on it, dude. Because it was like, okay, he was retired, he was done, and it is now in real time, 2023, and now he's officially announced in 2024. It's his actual last match. He's going to be done. So is 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 in February, right? In February. There's no. I'm telling you right now, Sting will wrestle again. You think? Yeah. And it should be Sting and Flair at Wembley. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm gonna keep reading notes here. I'm just saying, as a you're as, insane as the main event, Flair Sting Wembley. In the main event. Okay. So the other big story well, regarding, event, but it should just be like on the show. You would roll your eyes if they announced that. Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying that's what they should do. And it should be both of their last matches in front of 80,000 people. <laughs> and then it would be go. It would be kind of cool. You right. You can know that. It, can we get Hogan? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he would do. Maybe he'll form a new NWO or something. I don't know. But he can be the ref. Yeah, okay. He's not getting down there to count three. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we'll be hoping for a submission. Um, yeah, so you because you know it eats Flair alive that his like last match was in front of like 2,500 people, like live audience wise, or however many it was 3,000, um, 5,000, whatever. That's a good show, though. I didn't yeah, say the main. It, I, I didn't say the main event was good. I said the show was. Yeah, because it has impact guys on it. We know. We get it. It. Did you watch it? I don't no, remember. I've not. But you should. You should. You should watch it. Yeah, great. Can't wait to watch. Um, Motor City Machine Guns versus the American Wolves. Yep. Yep. Yeah, saw that before. Seen that before. Show. Yeah, and it was just as good. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to uh, TNA 2006 here. Um, the other big story regarding Turning Point. Uh, show was TNA getting its most mainstream publicity in an, in its history with an angle put together by Mike Tenay that brought AJ Praninsky of the World Series champion Chicago White Sox in for two appearances. Now this got TNA covered um, ahead of, of time on CNN Headline News, ESPN's Cold Pizza 2, uh, on two ESPN talk shows throughout the Chicago media as well as nice coverage in both USA Today and perhaps the biggest coup uh, in the scoreboard section of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Tanay came up with the idea, apparently, when an ESPN announcer called Perninsky the phenomenal A.J. Perninsky. Uh, Tanay came up with the idea of having him appear at the show, or at a show, simply to meet A.J. Styles and exchange gifts, and it kind of grew from there. Particularly since Perninsky, coincidentally enough, was a big wrestling fan. Now, Tanay, who is a big baseball fan, knows both White Sox owner Eddie Einhorn uh, and minor league strength coach Dale Torborg, who obviously is 
the Kiss Demon in WCW. So, of course, he knows him. Um, he was able to put it together um, as the first in a series of cross-promotional ideas between TNA and the White Sox, with a few more ideas floated around for next season. Now, it ended up being very controversial internally, with the belief that it was going to be an embarrassing flop by many, including those in creative. TNA also used his longtime friend friendship with Bobby Heenan as a safety valve, knowing that if the live crowd in Orlando might crap on the angle, but it was guaranteed to get a good pop live if it was done in conjunction with Heenan's debut with the promotion. Uh, nobody expected the angle to help ratings or add bias to pay-per-view, but simply garner uh, publicity so that people would know that TNA exists. A big part of the success was due to TNA's recent hiring of Ross Foreman, which, whose name sounds very familiar to current-day Impact fans, because he still works there, uh, to handle publicity, uh, who is from Chicago and had strong enough media contacts in the city and nationally to get the story placed in many key places. So. So they did this knowing that it wouldn't draw money? They did they, it, hoping but, that it would get their name out, and it did. Right, but that's kind of a major issue here, is that if you're hoping it gets your it's name a risk. out there... Well, hang on a minute. So you're hoping that it gets your name out there, right, with publicity, but you know it's not going to draw money. So publicity and drawing money, you're getting the publicity, but you're basically saying also, well, we know no one's going to come and watch us because of this. Yeah, yeah fair. So what the fuck are you doing? I mean, it's fair. Um, I think, you know, I don't know. A non wrestling fan watching SportsCenter, seeing AJ Brzezinski, they're not going to be like, no, what? Oh, yeah. Let me go watch. Well, that's the thing. You have to already like wrestling in order to, like, care about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And as a wrestling fan who doesn't really watch sports, like, I don't care about the other part. But. (laughs) <laughs> they were right because Heenan's there, and now I'm paying attention because Bobby Heenan's in wrestling again. You know what I mean? So it's like, because yeah, you're it, not gonna get a non, no. I, it's not gonna no. You're not gonna a non wrestling fan that con, that ability to con, a conversion is just not, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um. A, another couple follow ups to this whole thing. Um. Uh, AJ Preninsky had an interview on the Chicago White Sox website. He says, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. And this is talking about the match, at um, being involved in the match. Um, this is their life. I don't want to come in as an outsider and mess it up. So he had some, you know, he had some respect for the wrestling world here. Um, and then Simon Diamond was obviously involved uh, with this. And now Dave says that for Diamond in particular, the angle was the highlight of his career. He's a huge baseball fan and a former uh, player in college. Diamond was said to have been blown away by seeing his name in the Sports Illustrated um, article there. He was not uh, even on the original choice um, for the angle to play foils to Przinsky, as it was written, believe it or not, for Scott DeMore and Team Canada. Uh, But they had no interest in doing it and instead went to the company's lowest-rated heel group, as Dave says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so know, I I don't see Team Canada fitting in that no. spot anyway. No, no. I think the only thing is that could work is because they're like they got the jerseys and they're like a team. Yeah. Like it makes sense, but I think they made a good call. If I were now, to watch Team Canada job out to Dale Torborg, I think I'd have a tough time with it. Yeah, that'd be tough. 
Um, okay, I got one more thing, and then we're going to start breaking down matches uh, here momentarily. But this one really th- uh, surprised me. I mean, it probably shouldn't have, realistically, but regardless, the other major item here coming out of the pay-per-view was Jeff Hardy no-showing. So I didn't even know this was, like, a thing that really happened. Um, Hardy, uh, and there's actually a good reason why we didn't know that this happened, because we'll get to what he was supposed to do. Hardy, who um, has no-showed for the company several times in the past, including once before in a pushed pay-per-view match against Raven, and uh, was even dropped for a few months the last time he did it, was scheduled for an eight-man tag in a pre-show match. So that's why we didn't know, because he was going to be in the pre-show. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. So the the belief is that Hardy is done, at least for now. Um, TNA has historically always taken back people with no-show problems and drug histories. Um, it's still funny to me, uh, this is to Dave, that DDP was never used again because he balked at putting uh, Monty Brown over, but he still ended up putting him over, even though he had to uh, diamond cut two people that had to have run-ins. Um, I don't blame them for not using him again, but because what's the point? And in the case of Hardy, he never refused to do to job, but still, what is worse, having to negotiate a finish that the guy did end up doing in the end and who never missed a shot or multiple no-shows on pay-per-view and TV tapings. Uh, with Hardy, one of the reasons he was brought back was because they wanted to have familiar faces, many familiar faces as possible, and they started on Spike. At this point, they are very low um, rationalizations for him. Now, nobody knew until two hours before the start of the show that Hardy was no-showing when he called to say he missed the flight. He gave no other explanation. The feeling was that Hardy was mad because he was booked in a pre-show match, but he acted as if he just didn't make the flight. Uh, The plan at first was to say goodbye, but Ron Killings, who was supposed to be put in a tag team with Hardy, remember, we heard this months ago, um, he argued hard for Hardy's job, basically for the fear that he would fall into limbo land as uh, now that his plan angle is gone. Uh, Killings was... um, Against the Three Life Crew breakup, which Bob alluded to, and we will, of course, be discussing more as we kind of move forward here. But so Killings was against this because they he thought he'd be the odd man out. Now, at first, there was uh, force forces pushing for him to go with Conan, but the booking committee didn't want that. And the basic compromise was for Killings to go with Hardy. Uh, everyone was cool with that because they felt Killings wouldn't bury wouldn't be buried because the company is always going to protect Hardy. Well, that's pretty disappointing for Killings at this point. Uh, no matter what the reason uh, for this, the pattern of behavior and the fact that Hardy is not only uh, wrestler, is not the only wrestler they fired that has no shows uh, on them more than one occasion seems to bring up the drug testing issue again uh, in an industry where the problems are so documented to blissfully pretend to be blind uh, to issues that you know full well exist in hardly a way to run a company and the industry with a track record of the past 10 years of U.S. pro wrestling. There's no question that when it comes to poor taste, TNA is so much better than WWE. But in reality, health of wrestlers is a more pressing problem than bad taste angles. So, it looks like Hardy's done, Bob. Jeff Hardy is no more, um, at least for, for, realistically, about four years. Is this when we... um... Will you sing his modest song? Or? Uh, no, that would be on... Um, uh, oh, we're going to sing it right now? Yeah. Oh, no. 
Yeah, we'll just put it in post right here. It's like a memoir. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, actually. But no, that's um, yeah. So he lasted what about a year and a half? Yeah, I guess realistically, June of four to November of five. Well, yeah, and that was, I mean, the June, the June one. He didn't even come back again until September, wasn't it? September. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, anyways, on a positive note, Dave. Knows what's the, what's what's your favorite Jeff Hardy moment that we've had in TNA? Yeah. Um, I know it's not a. That ladder match with Jarrett sticks out to me because it was just oh something that God. I remember. I know, I know, I know, because he lost though. But like in my in my head, him getting hit with the guitars like has always been something I think about. Um, uh, what's the other? I mean, I I love the lockdown match with Raven, the tables match. I really like that match. Okay. That that might be like the peak for me, like that. Um, he was in one of the Monsters Balls, wasn't he? I can't remember. Yeah, it was in the Bound for Glory one. Yeah, the good one. Yeah, that. Yeah. Because that isn't that's the one where he jumps off the stage to Abyss. Mm-hmm. So like that, like that moment, I have always remembered. Um, so like between lockdown and that, like realistically, like those two um, really stick out to me for his run. Um, if he won that ladder match with Jarrett, man, wow, that would have been. I think that would have been the move. But needless well. to say. My favorite one is the uh, temper tantrum. Uh, I knew, Taylor. dude. I mean, that was pretty good. Because, like, what are you doing? It's crazy to think, though. Uh, so here he he leaves. Um, or at least, I should say, I guess he kind of mostly leaves, right? Because um, then he's just like, how? Like, the... Is it the UWF things he does or something? Yeah, he does UWF for a few months there. Which is associated with TNA, but it's not mm-hmm. TNA. No. Do you know the lyrics to Modest or no? Um, I don't think off the top of my head I do, besides the the beginning part. Yeah, that's all I know, too, but I have the lyrics in front of me here, and I had no idea. Do you want to do an old lycopod and sad read, like, a couple lines? <coughs> yeah, I can do that. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> modest to the top. Modest at the top. Straight to the top, and then we head and then we keep on heading up. Stars shine for why we should give a fuck about what is real and how real is still the only way for us to feel the pain. It's sometimes deals in a in a way that survives the struggles we face in this life. There's a lot times can't erase showcase. The skills you were given at birth. Live your life here for what it's worth. Show off the style. You perfect in life. Show away. Show off the way to make it right. Make it to the top of Mount Profession. Rule it. Till you feel there's nothing more for you to do or say. None of you better get in my way. Coming down. If you do, you'll get back on level ground. Modest to the top, modest at the top. Features that keep your head up high. I am a star that shines for why. We should give a thought to our life in the way that we live both day and night. We are the world's humorous cells. 
Let's keep laughing to save ourselves. In a, sh- in a way that can read our plants, planet's face, in this life there's a lot of time can't erase. Showcase the skills you were given at birth. Live your life here for what it's worth. Show off the style you perfect in life. Show off the way to make it right. And then... Okay, here's a, here's oh, another one. Oh, there's more. Okay. okay. Well, because you know, because it's just like you know, chorus, or whatever. I'm not going to keep doing choruses. Well, we don't. No, we don't have to. Okay, just go. Ahead. Just if you if you are tired or thirsty at the top, sleep or drink fast to receive the pop, in a way that stands out for the crowd. In this game, there's a lot they won't allow. In a way that survives the struggles we face. In this life, there's a lot of time can't erase. And the showcase, make it to the top. Straight to the top, then keep on heading up. Supplies for the body when it breaks down from the booze and chance of disrespect. I am son with an. I am a son with an online neck. Hmm. Oh. oh, this is very enlightening. Um, yeah, so like I don't know what any of those words really meant. Um, it felt like that was the ultimate warrior trying to mm. produce a song. Right. Well, anyways, there you go. Let's uh, let's dive into um, turning point stuff here. Right. So Dave switches this, you know, onto a positive note. The December eleventh turning point show got generally strong reviews, and uh, early returns indicate a lot more buys than prior month uh, for Genesis. Uh, it was for the most part a decent pay per view show with one extraordinary match. Uh, the match where Samojo beat AJ Styles to win the X Division title in the first strong candidate for 2006 match of the year. Well, now, um, I'm sorry, it's 2005. Yes, but so. the voting probably ends um, right before this, so it kind of gets carried over. Um, and <laughs> from what we've been told, from a live perspective, it was the best match TNA ever did in Orlando. Super stiff matches um, with this was, was the stiffest in TNA history. Uh, when Styles suffering a busted lip and bleeding badly, and apparently Samojo suffering a dislocated jaw, it didn't translate good on television um, as they played live in most cases. So, it got hurt. Um, Styles apparently, so, spoiler alert, I guess it's a spoiler. Um, both Styles and Joe will be wrestling at the taping that we're about to start watching at some point. Not against each other necessarily, but they both work, so they're not injured enough to not wrestle. However, AJ Styles' injury, he did pull out of the December 17th ROH show um, in New Jersey. So he did. He came to Tina, and then he said, ROH, sorry, I'm hurt. What was what was his injury? Um, Styles was just had the busted lip, and he was bleeding badly. So he, he was probably just more beat up than... Joe dislocated his jaw, though. He fucking pulled out because he had a fat lip. I guess. Joe beat the shit out of him. I don't know. Um, the show drew the usual turnaround crowd of about 900 fans to Universal Studios. Several light sources indicated the crowd was rabid, and the television didn't come close to doing it justice. Reportedly, the crowd was totally on fire for Team 3D versus America's Most Wanted match in particular, which didn't come across, and Joe versus Styles at the crowd at an entirely different level. It was also noted that for the first 15 minutes of Styles vs. Joe, the crowd was totally pro-Joe, even though Joe was booked as the heel for the match. Uh, The number of fans turned away at the door was said to be one of the largest to date. Uh, Our response, which traditionally has been a strong parameter of TNA buy rates, was up 88% from last month, although last month's buy rate was a huge disappointment, and our response was not at the level of Bound for Glory. 
So, let's get into the matches. In the pre-show, which, did we watch? I don't remember. Did We we did watch the pre-show, I think, right? I believe we did, yeah. I'm pretty sure we did, because I thought I remember seeing this. Genesis, match. we did not, because of Nigel. That's but right. We okay. had it for this one. Yep, I thought so. Okay, so Lance Hoyt and Chase Stevens and Andy Inglis, the Naturals, defeated John Bolin, Joe yeah. Doyne, and Buck Quartermain in 7 minutes 11 seconds. The original match was for the eight-man tag with Hardy on the face side and Lex Levette on the heel side. So they basically had the same match, but just minus two people. Uh, Bolin and Doring, I believe, were making their TNA debuts. Uh, Bolin won a contest last year for sponsored wrestling training, similar to a one-day tough-enough competition. Hoyt pinned Bolin uh, to take the fall. Uh, he does not rate that match. Um, opening up the pay-per-view, we cannot. We kind of glossed over this with everything else, but uh, there's a barbed wire massacre match, and Sabu pinned Abyss in 10 minutes, 58 seconds. Uh, they had the ring surrounded by barbed wire with the ropes taken down. They also had some barbed wire boards and other weapons. These type of matches are usually pretty bad because there isn't much you can do but bleed. But this was better than most because you had two men who appear to be without fear. It's not my cup of tea, Dave says, but they uh, did an effective match. Speaking of uh, not cup of tea, I saw him say that Shane, Str- Shane Strickland, right? Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's, it's Swerve, but yeah. Swerve Strickland and uh, Adam Page was not his cup of tea. And then proceeded to give it, like, a six-star rating. He gave it five stars. Five-star rating. And he he goes on to say that people are taking what he said about it out of context. But I have not read the Observer Newsletter. uh, So I don't know what he said about it. But he does basically be like, the short version is like, I don't really like this kind of match. But uh, everyone else does. Five stars. Yeah. But I I will tell you, dude. I know you probably haven't seen it. Man. It was really good. I haven't seen it. I mean, to be honest, if you're talking like that kind of style, like a a Texas death match, that was a five-star Texas death match. I mean, it was really good. Yeah, I just love how that guy broke into his his house and then beats him. Yeah. Underdog, man. Hangman's works best as an underdog. Yeah, the underdogs, you know, can win. He can win eventually. But right now with mm-hmm. Swerves, it's Swerves time. Anyway. Um, Swerves the, nice. That's right. The finish of that Barbary Massacre saw Abyss charge at Sabu, who moved, and he went into a Barbary board in the corner. The board was sticking to his clothes, and Sabu tripped Abyss. He fell into another Barbary board. So basically, he was on the mat sandwich between two Barbary boards. Sabu did a sitting splash on top of the boards to get the pin. The crowd chanted thank you at both guys when it was over. He rated this two and a half stars. Yeah, that uh, seems about right. Yeah. Uh, Austin Aries and Matt Bentley defeated Roderick Strong and Alex Shelley in 8 minutes, 3 seconds. The match wasn't at the level you'd expect for these four, Dave says. It was more than it just being cold match and not having much time, but these guys usually are in cold matches and have delivered on most big shows. Two stars. Uh, I didn't say that finished, but Bentley um, made the hot tag and finished with the super kick and pinned on Strong. Um, Monty Brown did a promo with Bob the Builder doll and called it a Christian doll, his Christian uh, cage doll. Real good stuff, uh, Dave says. Jeff Jarrett came in and told Brown how the championship committee doesn't care what Brown does as they just bring in these flavor of the month guys from the outside for title shots. Uh, basically, he said that Brown doesn't get it, and um, he was looking for Brown to help him in the main event, but instead went to Team Canada, who did get it, because he had to go find someone who got it. Uh, next up, this one has some pretty interesting stuff in the notes. 
Raven pinned Chris K in five minutes, 49 seconds. K, of course, was the former Canyon. Larry Zabisco demanded Raven sign a release form so he could collect the rest of the money due to him on his contract if he were to just go home. Raven refused. In a line of the week, now this is kind of funny because I didn't pick up on this right away, but reading it, it makes sense. So Raven said to Zabisco, quote, you're nothing but the answer to a game show question that nobody ever asked. Mm-hmm. And so Dave says, for those not up to speed, the question would be, who was Bruno San Martino's opponent in Pro Wrestling's first $500,000 gate? Now, this, of course, goes back a few months where Zabisco was supposed to say, I sold out Shia Stadium and you've never sold out anything bigger than the dugout in Shia Stadium. But Raven came out early and jumped him before that line ever got out. So this was during, I believe, um, I can't remember if it was like, if it must have been toward Raven or something, but Zabisco didn't finish his promo. So they're kind of calling back to that a little bit. He didn't finish the promo at the pay-per-view? No, this was the promo. This was a few months ago. So Zabisco was oh, supposed geez. to say that she has stayed. So it's like a funny little callback that Raven made. A uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so Dave says this match was actually supposed to be on last month's pay-per-view, but Canyon asked for way more money than they were planning on paying. So instead, they got PJ Polacco at the last minute. So, <laughs> yeah, funny, huh? Canyon then went to TNA and told them that he'd do the match for exposure for next to nothing. Oh, um, my God. Come. Yeah. So they ended up giving him the spot. Uh, Dave says, I believe the other alternative, listen to this, dude, was to debut Billy Kidman. So in, if Canyon wouldn't do this, they were thinking about having Billy Kidman fight Raven here. Um, that would have been, been, been good. I know. But Kidman is on another one of those you-can't-trust-him-to-show-up lists after apparently blowing um, this Winnipeg show and causing Tori Wilson to rush home from Australia. So who knows, Dave says. Uh, Canyon told TNA that they could use his name, but when they asked to change the spelling to Canyon with a C, just in case, they decided to just change his name. So Dave says that his memory seems to indicate that he used the name on the indies before WCW and thus should be able to use it, even though it isn't his real name. But who knows? Uh, Raven uh, powerbombed a K on a chair and then got the pin with a DDT. Post-match, Zabisco demanded Raven sign the release because he wanted him gone. Raven slapped Zabisco. Keep in mind, Zabisco has been uh, the heel in this so far, even though Raven is supposed to have been <laughs> has, to, has been turned heel. Um, even though he, to me, he's booked as a total face. So see, Dave says he's booked as the face here. Um, so after the slap, it was Zabisco who made the uh, fiery baby face come back on Raven, and they had to pull apart. So if you're confused, don't blame me, he says. One and a half stars. Yeah, so that's pretty uh, amazing that Canyon at Genesis was like, yo, give me a whole bunch of money. And then they're like, nah. And then he comes back the next month and was like, listen, I'll do it for almost nothing. Yeah. It's... Yeah. That's just great negotiation skills right there. He tried. <laughs> give me $5 million. No, okay. I'll come back next month. I'll do it for like basically nothing just to get my name out there. It's like okay, well, we could have see if they started the if they started using it more, it might have been worth it. But unfortunately, no. I mean that's just not. Man, that's not good. Yeah. Um. Next up, Team Canada went over. Or sorry, Team Canada over P. Williams, Eric Young, and Bobby Roode, uh, and a one. They defeated the Four Life Crew, which of course is Conan, B. G. James, Ron Killings, and the new member Kip James in seven minutes. 
16 seconds, the usual trademark easy pops and storyline stuff between the series, serious matches. Um, eventually, during the match, Conan um, turned on Kip James and told Rude to pin him, which he did. After the match, Conan also hit BG with the chair, and he tried to figure out what happened. Killings asked Conan if he was going to hit him with the chair, but Conan still wanted to be friends with Killings and wanted to, Killings to leave with him. So Killings didn't leave with him. Um, Conan and Killings' facials were great during uh, this. Uh, if you've been watching consistently, this angle took too long. But for the 75% of the audience that is new, really, they were just two months minimum, too fast in doing the return. One and three quarter stars. Doing the turn, not return. Um, so for us, Bob, it's been eight months. Uh, at, at least. Yeah, dude, it's been. I mean, they tease it since Kip came in. Kip came in. Is that against the? Was that against, against all odds? odds. Yeah. Which is February. February. We had the tape fist match at Destination X with Nash. That's March. And so we're in. Okay, so it's been about so, ten months. <laughs> yeah, because really, I yeah yeah around then. Well, we're finally getting to the good part of it. So it took a while, but yeah, no, that's um. I sort of wish that they. I sort of wish they did the four life crew thing a little bit sooner. Because I just think that, like, it's hilarious. Uh, but the fact that they did it and then just a few weeks later did the turn was just as good. So Actually, it was about a month later, really. I mean, because they did it uh, just after Genesis. Yeah. But anyway. Next up, Dale Torborg, Sanjay Duck, Chris Saban, managed by A.J. Paninsky, defeated Simon Diamond, Elix Skipper, and David Young in 7 minutes 58 seconds. Bobby Heenan came out as a guest, guest announcer, and he immediately asked Mike Tanay for $5. <laughs> it's just funny uh, for the finish uh, Johnny Damon gave Paninsky uh, home plate and he hit Diamond over the head with it as Heenan got up from his announcing chair and distracted the ref Diamond was staggered Sabin used a cradle shock on Diamond followed by Dutt using the Hindu press and Dutt got the pin Paninsky then autographed the home plate for Diamond after the match uh, Sabin and Dutt gave Paninsky and Torborg TNA championship rings two and three quarter stars Next up, Christian Cage pinned Monty Brown, 12 minutes, 38 seconds. The gist of the match is that Christian worked really hard but couldn't or didn't make Brown look like he was at the level as Brown seemed hesitant and green in spots. I don't know if I really got that, but whatever. Uh, after a ref bump, Brown used the alpha bomb for a near fall. Brown argued with the ref and was hit with the unprettier for the pin. Two and a half stars. Yeah, I think I was most – because that match was like mostly Monty Brown, right? And then yeah. Cage just went out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, I didn't like that. That bugged me. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Team 3D defeating the NWA Tag Team Champions, America's Most Wanted, Chris Harris and James Storm. And no, it was not for the titles. It was not a title. Uh, 10 minutes, 20 seconds, in two straight tables, in the best of three tables. Wait, what? Best of three tables non-title match? I don't know if we knew that. Well, no. I Although I guess it would have to be best of three tables because you have to get each member out. I think that's what he's trying to allude to. You had to get each tag member out. You have to, unless you put them on the same one. Yeah, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Team 3D used America's Most Wanted's own death sentence on Storm for the first table. David landed, Devon landed right on Storm's face, and it was a bad scene. Storm was left motionless in the ring. Now, Surprisingly, they didn't immobilize uh, Storm's neck before helping him out. 
there was fear of a broken neck, believe it or not, but it turned out to be just a stinger. And he was, spoiler alert, back wrestling at the tapings um, that we're going to be watching here soon. Mm. Um, Team 3D did an interview before the match, and the former Bubba, uh, or brother Ray here for us, got so hot in a strong promo that he said they were going to give AMW a Dudley's beating. Two and three quarter stars. Uh, Samoa Joe won the X Division title over AJ Styles in 18 minutes, 45 seconds. This match was so ridiculously stiff that it was reminiscent of the kicks and slaps of a UWFI-style match combined with the big moves of a junior heavyweight pro wrestling match. A must-see match. Styles went for a rolling reverse cradle, but Joe grabbed the trunks to reverse him and grabbed a choke. They teased Styles being right near the ropes but couldn't quite reach it. He then passed out. Crowd was going nuts. Joe teased sportsmanship, but then smashed the belt into Styles' face. Joe set up, set up doing a muscle buster onto a chair when Christopher Daniels hit the ring and made the save. Daniels beat on Joe for a moment until Joe came back and laid Daniels out as well, with the idea that Daniels was stunned uh, coming off the concussion. There was a lot of talk and complaining by several wrestlers, including Styles and Daniels, who argued that Daniels should have run Joe off in that situation. Since Joe versus Daniels uh, is apparently going to be our... The next story going, I think it makes sense, right? With mm-hmm. him returning. Another idea suggested was that Daniels would beat down on Joe and then get dizzy and woozy, allowing Joe to come back on him, rather than Daniels getting taken out with Joe's offense. The booking committee pretty well insisted this was how this was, it was going to go. Uh, I think the idea is that Joe is the monster. He's going to be pushed as the superstar of the division, and it's not uh, a, a parody deal with Daniels, Styles, and Joe as the same level. Long-term, the idea is to go back and rematch the September 11th three-way within the next few pay-per-view shows. He gives this one four and three-quarter stars. You know, just give it the five. I mean, what the fuck? (laughs) It was really good. I mean, realistically, probably could have been a five. I mean, I don't see why it couldn't have been. But it's all objective, I guess, or subjective. Finally, in the main event, Bob, Jeff Jarrett pinned Rhino. After the match, uh, after much outside interference to retain the NWA title in 17 minutes, 29 seconds, Rhino did a hell of a promo promo before the match, which Dave says for a guy who has a reputation of not being able to talk, he's done very good the first past several weeks. Um, the match had great heat. If you actually watch how Jarrett talks and how he works and what he says, he's very good. The problem is Jeff is that he's part owner and everyone knows it, and so everyone's sick of him, and well, he's just Jeff, he's just Jeff, and he's missing that ingredient that all the great ones have. Uh, Scott Demore hit Rhino with a hockey stick, and Jarrett used the stroke off the top rope uh, onto two chairs, then got the pin. Hot crowd, very exciting match. The money is Jarrett versus um, Sting and Christian, so that Jarrett did have to win, uh, so that they could, they could do it right. Uh, but it's also wrong, he says. Uh, people didn't love. People didn't love to hate this. They hated to hate this, uh, even though it was well done. The lights went out, they did this thing tease we already talked about, and then it went off the air. He gives this match three and a half stars. Hmm. Not bad. Three and a half. That seems pretty high. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was too bad, really, but um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, that seems pretty high for them. Right. So that was uh, a turning point, Bob. I have one final thing I want to tell you before we get going into the today's show, um, and then we can we can finally dive right into this. It's kind of a disappointing one, so I'm going to leave you with something sad before we get going. That's great. Uh, I, 
sometimes it just has to be done. Um, Sonny Sianchi released the following statement on his website. Quote, I've been with TNA since the company started about four years ago, almost four years ago. TNA has offered me another contract, but I decided not to resign. The decision not to resign was a tough one, and the reason behind me not resigning was based on many factors. Many of were were beyond my control. Uh, moreover, I have to put my family's well-being into account. While I trained at WCW, it was TNA that made Sonny Siaki a name in this business, and I'm eternally grateful for that. I had a lot of fun in TNA, and I think that they have some of the best talent in the world uh, there. I hope to someday work with some of the guys in the future. I wish TNA nothing but the best uh, of success and prosperity in years to come. And according to Alvarez, he thinks that Dusty Rhodes got him to come to WWE, which um, don't think is the case here. So, uh, so that's kind of weird that he the comment in there of like. I gotta look out for my family. Okay, but you're saying no to money. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point, but I mean, so, well, so I'm just doing a quick, uh, doing a quick look ski here. <clears throat> Do we see him again? I'm gonna find tell you right now. All right. I need to know. Um, no. Okay. Does he go to WWE? He does wrestle on a house show. A couple house shows. So, and FCW. So, he, I mean, yes. So, FCW is WWE. So, he does, I mean. But what year is that? 2007. For the house shows and FCW. So, what does he do in 2006? He's wrestling no. a lot in DSW. In, uh, oh, Deep wait, South. Deep South. So, that, Deep that's South. WWE. That's WWE. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I didn't. Now that I, I read the actual thing. Okay, so yeah. So he goes there and starts wrestling there in uh, February. Hmm. Now, he does do technically two um, UWF TNA shows. Mm. Okay. Which one? And, the one in January? Correct. Both mm -hmm. in January. Yeah. So... Yeah, and then yeah, so then he goes to Deep South, which I've never seen Deep South written as DSW, so that threw me off, I guess. And he's he's just Siaki, I guess, right? Siaki and Afa Jr., the Samoan Fight Club, mm. and that's where. And then he works as Urban Assault with Eric Perez on two Raw House shows. Then he's with Ryan O'Reilly on SmackDown ECW House shows against TV Richard and Tommy Dreamer, and then he works as the Samoan Fight Club in uh, FCW. He fights uh, Harry Smith and T.J. Wilson in one, and then Johnny Curtis and Robert Anthony in another. And then he wrestles for GCW a lot. This is not the same GCW that is popular today, I don't think. No, it's like Pike, no. Georgia. It is. And then he kind of wrestles for them quite a bit, and then he wrestles a little bit more for um, NWA primetime sporadically, and then he has one final match, and his final match... Wow, what a last match for him. In uh, January 2009 against Marty Jannetty, he lost by disqualification. Hmm. He also, his second to last match, he lost to Buff Bagwell. Very interesting uh, couple final opponents there, huh? Yeah. 
So yeah, unfor- this is actually, uh, I'm pretty disappointed about this, but yeah, we have seen the last um, of Sonny Siaki here in TNA. His final match um, was that Apollo and uh, him teaming up against AMW where Apollo had that bandana on. That right. we, were, we were like, oh, that's why he took the bottle shot. <laughs> right. And then um, it's, I think it's kind of really interesting that Siaki hasn't even popped up in the years after. I know. Not even like a brief appearance of anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, he wasn't even mentioned for like the TNA one off show they were going to do. Well, not even to make an appearance or nothing. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but... Maybe nobody can get a hold of him. It could be. I think, didn't he... I feel like I remember hearing that he got like a federal job or something. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is uh, disappointing. We're dropping like flies here in TNA. We've lost Jeff Hardy. Now we've lost Sonny Siaki. I don't even know what we're going to do with ourselves. Kaki Siaki was the best Siaki. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not even a question. And then he just wasn't, uh, I don't know. He just he never got that chance to really break out, I think. Yeah, I do. I think he um, I think he kind of got the, the short end of the stick here. But yeah. um, once, it, once it, I put Desire with him, I think he was, I think he was cooked. I do think that was kind of the beginning of that, but. You know, what you do when you want to work with your wife. Yep. Just ask DDP. Same thing happened to him. That's when, right. When he got saddled with Kimberly in 1999. Cooked. Down, down the shitter. Well, anyways, that's our sad note to leave on. I have a couple interview notes we'll talk about during the show, but Bob, let's get into this episode of Impact. I'm freaking All ready. Right. Let's do it. Let's do the December 17th, 2005 edition of Impact. The approximate runtime is 42 minutes, 42 seconds. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus or find it in your own personal collection. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that is when we are going to start watching the show. So here we go. Three, two, one. Play. This is TNA. Now, Bob, there was an explosion match I'm going to tell you about here. Uh, it was taped on uh, 12-13-2005, same day as this taping that we're watching. And it aired on December 23rd, 2005. And Austin Aries and Sanjay Dutt teamed up to defeat Diamond, uh, David Young and Elix Skipper and Simon Diamond was ringside. As we're seeing highlights from the Barbar Massacre. At turn to point. Uh, also, an interesting note, Bob, the tapings for this, they did two tapings, two sessions on the same day. The first session was all explosion matches for the next four episodes of Explosion. And then the second taping was the impact matches. So the first session that had Explosion only had 250 people in the audience. And when they were doing the tapings for um, the impact ones, it, they have a number of 800 so, hmm. pretty different. Um, it looks like I don't have audio through my VLC. I can still see it and everything, but there's no audio coming through. So Really? Yeah. So, I guess if there's any promos or something that 
we need to know about. I am not going to know what they're saying. Okay. Remind me uh, when we're off air, Bob, about the audio issues. Because short version, I did something to like five episodes of Impact, and I can't preview them with audio. And I don't know why. I don't know what that means. I, I'll explain to you after. Okay. Boom, Impact. Here we go. This past Sunday at Turning Point. Like, I can hear. You're fine. What am I? It doesn't have the mute button clicked on accident? No. Hmm. Little pyro action here to kick us off. What kind of bullshit is this? <sighs> Mike Tanay and Don West, ringside. Tina did it again. The face mm. of TNA is going to be changing forever in 2006. And on the freaking queue, Jeff Jarrett's music sets. <laughs> What's going on, TNA? Wow, he's wearing quite the outfit here today. He's got a blazer on top of an unbuttoned white shirt on top of an orange tucked in shirt into blue jeans. Who is dressing this man? Dude, this might be arguably his worst outfit yet. This I, is not. He I sometimes looks like a star, dressed wicked good. This looks like he looks like a mess. All right, Tanae. If TNA management wants a war, they're going to get a war. He's going to make a statement tonight, and as he's trying to get that out, some old Joe's music hits, so we're cutting him off. Here comes Samojo with that nasty bloody towel. Still got that little blonde in his hair, but... Not a fan of that blonde. Just reminding Whoa. us what he... Freaking Daniel. Uh, stare down. They ain't teasing this shit already. Dude. This is uh, very, very interesting. Jarrett and Smojo just stared down as they were uh, walking past each other. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Um, that's weird. Speaking of Samoa Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Hold on. He's Jay fighting Lethal. Jay Lethal. TNA debut here. He's young as shit. Dude, that's crazy. Look oh. at him. Look how small he is compared to Samoa Joe here. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, Samoa Joe apparently is among those unhappy with Sting making $500,000, and he's making significantly less. Uh, but he is not the only one wondering why there is so much money for Sting and so little money, apparently, for everyone else. Uh, okay. It's pretty probably uh, self-explanatory here, but okay. We're going to be talking about that probably uh, a little bit more, including next week. There's a Samojo interview. We'll discuss that further. Does, do they not realize it's because, you know, you're not known, so you're not probably going to bring in money? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I'll just tell you this now, because I don't know if we're going to see him on this show or not. But um, so we saw the highlights from the Barbary Massacre match. Abyss importantly needed 62 normal stitches and 20 butterfly stitches after the barbed wire massacre match on Sunday. Oh my god. 
Yeah. Of course he did. Well, he said, it, he goes, if if you haven't seen Turning Point, or if you didn't, I know you want to see it again, you can go buy the replay. No, I've never bought the replay of a show in my life. Ever. Dude, so, uh, Jay Lethal here is hitting quite the uh, drop kicks on Samoa Joe. Goes to recover. He's well, got see, two he, count. These guys had a pretty lengthy feud in Ring of Honor. Before this? Yeah, in 2005. Really? Yeah, it was like um, kind of like a mentor protege type of thing, which Ring of Honor actually kind of did a lot. <laughs> but. I like how much crossover that there is where it's like, oh, yeah, these guys just feuded in Ring of Honor and now they're wrestling in TNA. Or like, right, but in the well, TNA bubble, it's like lethal to nobody. Right. But I also like it's like, oh, yeah, Joe wrestled him in – in uh, our ROH, so maybe he helped him get this uh, match here. Hey, I want to work with this oh, guy. Sure you know what I mean? I think that's cool. Same with like Roger Strong, Austin Aries, like all that yeah. kind of stuff. I like that. There's we're seeing people indie guys brought in because they trust Samojo, they trust AJ Styles and Daniels. So there, there's the idea that they could have told them, "Hey, these guys are good. Let's bring them in." Yeah. They're just talking about eight or nine stitches to sew up, I think, AJ Styles um, from the beatdown. Or maybe they're talking about Daniels. I couldn't. I missed the name exactly, but he's talking about both of them. I'm surprised Lethal survived this long. I know. I'm surprised that Dallas has survived this long with his yawning. I... I was still drinking my coffee, man. Did you see? Did you see? I mentioned you in my Instagram story, or no? I was gonna ignore that. I wasn't even gonna say anything about it because you're being a jerk. Nikita Koloff, who Dallas Gridley does not know who he is, still. <laughs> Coquina Clutch locked in after the Muscle Buster, and Jay Lethal taps out. Oh, I cracked myself up. Yeah, dude, you're so funny, dude. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Oh, no. Work is calling me. Okay, well, I'll carry the show. I can't wait to hear you. That you I'm not answering it. I'm not oh, answering good. it. Oh, good, good, good. Nope, it's my I'm day fucking you. off. Good, I'm proud of you. Day off. And they're calling me to tell me that there's nobody there, and I already know that there's nobody there. Alex Shelley versus Matt uh, Bentley tonight. Ooh, backstage, Ron Killings and Conan. Dude, you can look at it. You can tell in Conan's face the attitude change. Even Ron Killings. Nobody saw the ambush on Kip James coming. Why? I never trusted Kip James from the minute that he walked into this place. I knew he was up to something. You tried to play me, but you played yourself. He said he'd do it the same way. If he was to do it again. I redirected the course of the inevitable. Oh, he almost just said motherfucker. <laughs> he ain't family. And BG doesn't decide who's family. We decide who's family. Oh, Killings is not asking him why. So maybe Ron Killings is not quite on the side that we thought. 
you had a problem with BG man. You, you talk to me about it, we get situated. Right, did you think he was with Conan? Kind of. Oh, I didn't think that. He said it's done. Stick a fork in it. Oh, he's tired of being lost. He's tired of being in the middle. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust BG. <clears throat> the only thing I can do is be done with it. He said he's done with it. He's walking out. Conan said, he's my brother. He's, I'm going to handle this. Oh, did we just see the end of Ron Killings? You just quit? No, I think that's the end of, like, Three Light Crew. Here comes Alex Shelley with the uh, tripod. Um, I have a Conan note, too. Uh, there's once again significant talk about using wrestlers from Mexico, including the idea of a Team Mexico. Uh, the Mexico deal has been a political nightmare, though. Uh, partially due to Conan's past of both le leaving both CMLL and AAA, and later AAA for Promo Azteca, um, and taking tons of top talent with him both times, leading to both CMLL and AAA to hate him. <laughs> so apparently, there's some there's some issues. <laughs> Conan having heat, I can't believe it. Here comes a Matt Bentley with Tracy. Come on, Bentley bounce. Holy crap, everyone's doing that, dude. <laughs> There's so many people doing the Bentley bounce. Yeah, well, because they're forcing it. But... No. It's peanut butter Shelly time, dude. Bentley just is not a baby. I don't know. He's just not no. A he's a heel. Face. He's such a heel. And the dynamic with Tracy, I mean, the whole act just comes across like it should be a heel. He should be acting like the franchise Shane Douglas, and she can be the Francine, and then just go on from there. Today is talking about the most violent, most physical pay per view we have ever seen. Until the next one. He said he's been calling wrestling for so many years, and this might have been the worst he's ever seen. Goes for back suplex. Lands on his feet. This arm drag, drop kick by Bentley. <laughs> I like when he knows the Shawn Michaels twirl. Yeah. Bob, do you have any indie notes for us? For this show? No, I'm not doing indie notes. Oh, oh. I think I think it's a dropped gimmick. What? Yeah. No, I like it. I'm dropping it. No. Yeah, I didn't do it for Joe and Lethal. I want to know. Yeah. Get out of here. People like our indie notes. It's, it's part it's, of our gimmick. It's uh, dropped it. Bob, you did not talk about this with me. We're is this you're doing the Conan on me. You just yeah, hit me dude. with a chair. Bow bow wow wow. I want to know about our indie notes. No, that's right. Heel kick there by Shelly. What the heck? Yeah. Guys, this is real talk. Bob literally just hit me in the back with a chair. Well, like, who cares? Okay, well, I hey, uh, Jay Lethal beat um, fucking... Uh, but to be fair, Jay Lethal wasn't the guy. one I cared about the notes for. 
Samoa Joe defeated um, Paul London last week in Omaha, Nebraska. Lance liked the indie notes. Bullshit. Didn't even do it. Jeff Hardy was never on those. He liked them, though. No, it's all right. It's a it's a drop gimmick. I don't unless I don't... unless something of like major note happens. I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna do them anymore. What the heck? Yeah, you know what? Maybe I just want to enjoy 2006 fucking TNA, motherfucker. Okay, instead of having to check every episode, it takes two seconds of what Christopher Daniels and Sting are doing on the indies. Okay, don't care. Christopher Daniels and Sting. Yeah. I think Sting has one indie booking in like 2007 that I'm going to have to fucking read. And I, I'm done. I've retired from indies. Oh, okay. And literally the indies, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't really fucking notice, 80% of them is just Ring of Honor. So, Oh, my God. X Division needs to get Oh, up. fuck. My, I'm done. Okay. Well, it's Shannon Moore. The Prince of Punk. I'm retiring. Bob. Okay, this he is He has it punked like the TV show, Dallas, punked. Is that Don Harris? Yeah. Telling him to get down? Okay, no. this is crazy, Bob. I remember this happening. You do. There's a good chance I watched this episode because I remember this. Your first distinct memory of TNA is Shannon fucking Moore. No. My first distinct memory is Jeff Hardy coming out of a tunnel at some point. But I don't even know when that was, so... Yeah, because like we've already passed this whole run now. I know, and now I, I truly don't remember which one it was. <laughs> I, I thought it was with a ladder, and he never walked out with a ladder, so. Right. <sighs> like a flatliner there by Bentley 1, 2? No. So, yeah, oh. he just said, so Exhibition needs to get punked. Now, punked is like an MTV show where they would, you know. Prank oh. celebrities. Shelly just stole the pin from Bentley with a nice oh, little uh, cradle. That's stupid. Uh, so does that mean that Shannon Moore is going to be pranking people? No, he's going to make. He's the prince of punk. Yeah, but the way that he has punked, I think it's just written, to be edgy. What? How's that edgy? No, Bentley's going to fucking turn heel. Uh, that camera wasn't facing the ring. No. It was earlier. <clears throat> Jarrett is going backstage. He's sick of mind games. Oh, AMW. TNA wants a war. They're going to get it. You know where Mondi's at. Oh, here's Gail Kim. Oh, remember what's been happening with her. <laughs> Jackie Gata. He goes, recently popped back up on the. Uh, where the hell have you been? Who cares? Look at her fucking lord. Man. Oh, she wants to talk about Jackie Gata now. She's been gone while Jackie's been coming after Jared. <laughs> Gail Kim is a type of woman where if I was with her and she didn't come home for three months, I wouldn't ask any questions when she came home. I'd be like, oh, hey, sweetie. Well, Jared's been asking a lot of questions okay. right now. Okay, great. I'm just glad you're home. <laughs> I'm just glad you're home. What the fuck? I don't care. Um, wow, guys. She could, she could come back home three months pregnant, and I'd be like, Oh my god, it's mine. Uh, yep. Bob, you're gonna be glad to hear that the company will soon be debuting a radio show, which will actually be hosted <laughs> by Brian uh Fritz and not Jeremy Borash, as you would have expected. 
They will be interviewing wrestlers on the shows, and they will be available via download or podcast. And we just saw a final resolution video for January 15th. Oh, my God. Look at the stitches. Oh, my God. I didn't think we were going to see him. We are seeing a visual of all 20 butterfly stitches and 62 I stitches. think Scott – I think uh, Shane Douglas has morphed into Scott Hudson. I mean, not having audio and just relying on visual right now, that slow camera turn into Shane, I thought it was Scott Hudson. I got For a second. Yeah, it wasn't. I miss Scott Hudson. So he's talking about people, ravens, rhinos, and people from the Serengeti being ranked above the monster abyss. A raven is ranked above abyss. I guess. Okay. Well, rhino, those trials and tribulations that you faced are nothing compared to uh, the hardship that abyss has had to endure. He's coming to, he even he came after his deepest, darkest fear, barbed wire, of course. <laughs> his kryptonite. Oh. He's talking about the world title. Six foot eight, 350 pound weapon of mass destruction. And I hold the detonator. And if anyone gets in the way, click doomsday. Click, click, doomsday, baby. <laughs> oh, who's walking in? Scott Demore. Oh, he's got a business proposal. He's got to talk to him about. What in the world? <laughs> okay. That's weird. Up next, Rhino. Business proposal for. Any indie news for uh, Rhino? Uh, no. <sighs> Crazy, you didn't have any bookings. Oh, you actually looked? No. You are such a freaking jerk. I can't believe you. What? Who cares? Do you really care? Does anybody honestly fucking care? Because I'm feeling like no one actually fucking cares. And that's why I stopped doing it. Because I didn't even look. I care. Bullshit. I do. All right, Joe, Joe Doring against Rhino. Yeah, all right. Good. Okay, I'm gonna it's go down. Fun. And uh, fucking. Where I we like at? hearing the fun matches. We're in December. Uh. Okay. Rhino had a booking today, December seventeenth, for EWB, oh. EWP, excuse me. Really. In Hanover, Nishkunashkunashkun, Dutchland. <laughs> Where he won the EWP World Heavyweight Championship when he defeated Thunder in round nine. Now, you're asking, who the hell is Thunder? I don't know. I click on his name, and he is known as Metal Death, Heavy Metal Thunder, and Darren Walsh from England. Wow. Who would have known? Yeah. Well, now you know. Uh, Alex Shelley usually has some indie bookings here, so let me just go down. I don't even know who Rhino is fighting because my screen is now full of indie notes here. Who is this? Oh, it's Joe Doring. Okay, great. Uh, Alex Shelley uh, had a couple of bookings as well um, from the previous match. He lost to Scott Loss at PWG's Astonishing Christmas on December 16th. 
And then also on December 17th, that final battle, Alex Shelley defeated Steve Carino. Now, I know what you guys are anticipating. I'll go do Samoa Joe. <laughs> so hang on one minute. And then I'll get there. 2005, December. Okay. He, def- okay. Samoa Joe defeated Davey Richards at that PWG show. See? And that, yeah, it's always just Ring of Honor and Pro Wrestling Gorilla, for Christ's sakes. And then okay. on December 17th, Smojo competed at Final Battle in a four-corner oh, no. survival, survival where Jay Lethal defeated BJ Whitmore, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. Oh, my God. Okay. So Rhino has hit the gore and go. pinned Dodoran. Yeah, Not right. a lot happened in that match. Right. And I guess I got to miss it because I had well, to do indie notes. You wouldn't have missed it if you didn't know it. No, because I still would have fucking missed it. Here we go. Gore. Oh, here's the whole match right here. Great. I mean, yeah, I mean, not really anything else happened. He looks, Joe Doring kind of like, looked like the Ryan Nemeth. Ryan Nemeth. Yeah. The blonde. Yeah. Oh, we're going to hear from Rhino here. Okay, I don't know what he's saying. Cut off the <clears throat> meat. Last April when I threw a lamp at my ex-wife and got fired. Oh, he just called Joe Doring a bitch. Oh. He just kicked your ass, bitch. Something like that. <laughs> You got screwed there, Channing to Rhino. Took you and a bunch of your little bitches to beat me at Turning Point. He's talking to Jarrett. You walked out the NWA champion. Excuse me. I have a cough. So if I don't mute myself, I apologize. Now, if anybody, if you're wondering about indie notes for the remainder of the show, I don't think there's any more, like, legit. Okay? So, leave me alone. Let me just enjoy my life. Okay. Oh, fuck. Is there more? Hang on a minute. No. No. Okay. We're good. I'm good. He's talking about that fat little bastard, Coach Demore here. Oh, okay. So we're gonna do Abyss Rhino, and then like that, that's gonna be the yes plan yeah. or deal, whatever. He's gonna cut him in half with a gore, gore, gore. The man beast. Did, did Abyss get involved at the pay per view? No. Mm, no, but but Demore and Demore needs backup. Okay, Jarrett is walking backstage now. There's diamonds in the rough. Can I have a second of your time, guys? I don't think there's a question here, but are you guys with me? They're like, of course. The wild card here, Monty Brown. Have you seen him? Nope. Okay, he wants to, if you see Monty Brown, tell him I want to talk to him before the end of the night. Oh, God. He's like, you guys got Team 3D tonight, right? And he's they're like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, I want you to take care of him. Who, who's this? Is that Gil Kim again? Yeah, sure. You have time to talk now? Yeah, I've had a hard night. Can this not wait? It's going to have to wait. We'll talk later. I'm going to talk about it now. Wow. Hard-hitting stuff here. Jared's had a hard night, guys. What's been so hard about it? (laughs) Like, he had a a very brief conversation with Samoa Joe, so has that made it a very difficult evening? I don't get it. Sabisco. Now, uh, I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, I can now spell 
Subisco's last name. I saw you with, say this, and I can't. Without having to look it up. Now, can I spell it verbally? No. But can I type it out? Yes. Because I've Raven? reviewed enough wrestling where I can just do it. But I can't sit here and tell you how I can spell it. But I can just spell it. So, TNA... Hold on. Can you say it again, please? Okay, so Raven, if he loses whatever the next match is, he's out of TNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bob, you'll be glad to hear that there was some talk at some point in 2006 to create some X-Division tag team titles. Jesus Christ. Why? Why? (sighs) Why? I don't know, but I got a couple more things for you here. Oh, look at this. We're getting the news articles, dude. Uh, what is that, USA Today? Yeah. Um, I actually missed this on our last episode. Um, not our not Turning Point, the one before that. Um, apparently, both of our TNA announcers, Don West and Mike Tanay, were on uh, ESPN Classics last week. So on, or not last week now, now it's a couple weeks ago. Um, on December 6th, Don West did a comedy role on Cheap Seats where the hosts um, go to someone's home and West shows up and does his wrestling hard sell uh, from uh, his prior experience on late night TV shopping shows and starts selling her furniture. And then Mike Tanay on December 7th uh, was on a segment of Why Society Created Terrell Owens, basically tracing his behavior back to Gorgeous George with Tanay and the Destroyer talking about George. Okay. And I got one final note for you for today's show. As Team 3D is throwing uh, diamonds in the rough around right now. Wait, let's see. And double team. Um, Bob, do you remember the show Room Raiders? I love that show. Well, according to the TNA site, Lance Hoyt will be appearing on an upcoming episode of Room Raiders. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> yeah, baby. I bet you that he's the guy you're going to be looking through a girl's shit. Yeah, but then don't they also go in his room? Yeah. Yeah. Bonus episode. (laughs) Yeah, they would. I love that. Uh, Brother Ray is dressing in a t-shirt and not like cut off sleeves, and it's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Is this like the worst shape he's ever been in his life? It's got it's got to be. Like, Devon's in the best shape of his life. And then Bubba's just like, you know what? I'm going to be a t-shirt guy. And there's nothing wrong with a t-shirt guy. I would be a t-shirt guy. But Bubba's just kind of giving up here. Devon, press slam skipper to the floor. That's nice. Oh. That was not very graceful. Okay, so I'm trying to look up Room Raiders here, but I did find, and I we've talked about this before, uh, uh, he did appear on Eliminate. Yes. So we knew that. Mm-hmm. TNA home video. The three oh, mega. Resolution against the of Destination X. I'm not, like, finding good evidence that he was on Room Raiders. I think, um, you know what? <clears throat> I can just look it up right now. Right. 
Do you have the Room Raiders catalog? <laughs> Although, if there was such a thing, I would definitely have it. Um, We're back from commercial now. Doing some on-the-air research. Because I know that Paramount Plus... Uh, okay, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe it's on there. Would have some Room Raiders, because they have Simon some other Diamond trash shows. the foot of Brother Ray. Oh, Skipper with a stiff kick to Brother Ray's brother, Devon, tries to get into the ring. Do they not have room readers on here? This is bullshit if they don't have. MTV. Room. Fucking Raiders, dude. Where are we? Are you kidding me? They don't got it on here? Wow. Probably because they didn't want to put uh, people finding dildos on the show where there's also you can watch Cat Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but like, what hold the on, fuck? Hold on. Look, who's that? Who is that? That was I one didn't... of the Hebner brothers. That's definitely Dave. That's gotta be Dave. That's definitely Dave. What the fuck? Why is Dave Hebner here? He's taking what are notes. What doing? What is going on? Was that Dave or Earl Hebner? That's well, definitely very... Dave. It's that's clearly Dave. Dave. That's Dave. Oh, why are they asking like which one was it? Yeah, today's like which one was it? Okay. Yeah, why is he here? Definitely. We saw Shannon Moore earlier, and now one of the Hebner brothers. Next. Yeah, dude, Room Raiders isn't even on this fucking app. What is the point? Which one was Chris Sabin on? Oh, was that was that a MTV one? I thought so. Was that next? Was he on next? Mm. Oh, wait, no, we already knew that. The unmade. Yeah, he was unmade. This is so disappointing. That the one show, Room Raiders, maybe the best show in the world. And it's not even on Paramount Plus. Like, why do I even have it? Why do I, like, they don't even have Figure It Out on here. Okay, he might have only been on Made. I thought he was on a dating thing, too. So did I, but we might be thinking of, we might have heard the rumor that he was supposed to be on a limit date, and then it was Oh, maybe. maybe. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know I think maybe. we should watch that Eliminate episode as a bonus. <laughs> Well, it's out there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can get it. I just saw it. It might be a bonus episode, guys. We'll talk about it. <laughs> so there's a few Full episodes. Nelson bomb, dude. The Bubba bomb. There's a few episodes of Room Raiders on YouTube, but I don't think we're going to get lucky here and have Lance Hoyt on there. Yeah. I mean, if we have to watch a couple to find out if he's on, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but You're going to twist our arms, okay? We'll do it. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll find him, it. guys. We'll watch some episodes of Room Raiders to find him. Hmm. Uh, oh, well. Brother Devon is in the ring to clear in house. Goes right after David Young. Irish whip countered by David Young. Here comes Devon. Comes back with a shoulder block. Oh, my brother testify. Neckbreaker on Elix Skipper. 
Guys, if you're watching along, we are 33 minutes and 12 seconds into today's show. Spine busted one, two, no, Skipper breaks it up. Irish whip clothesline. Devon takes out Skipper. Okay, I don't know what that was supposed to be, but he took him out. That was supposed to be a leaping shoulder block, but Young didn't turn around. Yeah, I didn't really like that one. Skipper's out of the ring now. Oh my god, reverse suplex neckbreaker combo. Yeah, but then everybody in the crowd is chanting or be young 3D, even though it's not the three freaking D. It oh, happens goes... every freaking match. Almost Simon Diamond holding Brother Devon and boom, Skipper accidentally hits Diamond because Devon moved out of the way. And now you know what time it is. Same 3D! Time. 3D! Oh no. What? No. Doomsday device? What a rush! Devon is no selling David Young's punches, which is pretty funny. Here we go. Three day on David Young. I feel like he's taken this many times. And that's right, Team 3D get the win. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Hit figures. The Morphoplex move of the night here, Bob. There it is. Boom. 3D. Look out. Look out. Look out. Look out. Look out. Look out. Another one in the win column for Team 3D. Now, guys, Jarrett is going to start a war here within the next 10 minutes, 9 minutes we have left. Jarrett is in the back with a Team Canada. Gail Kim is there. Oh. He says Scott Moore says he did talk to Monty Brown. So he's in the building. Yeah. And you told him, I want to talk to him tonight. Absolutely. And what did he say? Honestly, champ. I think he likes me about as much as he likes you. He said if I didn't get my little fat out of his face, something about a pounce, period. Is he Jared just says, doing a bread roll right now? Like oh, uh, possibly. So Gail comes there filing her nails. Jared turns to her and goes, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. He goes, Gail, what's wrong? She's just filing her nails. Nothing. Yeah, well, the whole show she's been wanting to yell at you, and then now it's nothing. So that makes Check sense. this out, dude. Look at all these celebs. Oh, Jared's wearing the same outfit he wore to the, what, the video game awards? Uh, yeah. Literally, it's the same exact outfit. You won't believe who Jarrett bumped into backstage, guys. The Rock just made dude, his Dude, The Rock TNA. is coming to TNA, dude. He just made his TNA debut here on screen at the Video Game Awards. Jeff Jarrett at an award show is probably just the least cool guy you could I, ever have. I do think he wore the outfit on purpose at the tapings um, to be like the same thing he wore at the award show. But I think that's like, oh, he didn't wash his clothes before he... <laughs> He's wearing dirty clothes. Uh, James, James Mitchell's wear wearing... Why is James Mitchell wearing blue now? And backstage, he was wearing red. And Abyss has his arms taped up now. And backstage, they were not taped up. Well, because they have um, doctors. They can tape shit up. Do you they were already stitched. 
You want to open fucking wound out there? No. Okay. Yeah. Can you explain the the wardrobe change by James Mitchell for me? Well, you don't you don't want to be seen on camera in the same outfit. It's twice. the same exact show. Look at this group of people. We have America's Most Wanted, Abyss, all of Team Canada, and Jeff Jarrett and Gail Kim and Scott and Jarrett and Father James Mitchell. <gasps> Sting. 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 Guys, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. And now TNA management, you want a war? And now you're going to get a war. We're going to find out who's with us and against us. Scott, I love you like a brother. But I need you to admit publicly, are you with me or against me? Look, champ, if controversy in Canada shows you one thing, that's it, you, that you got me on your side. So once again, he helped Raven lose the title to Jarrett in Canada. AMW, I love you guys like brothers. We're like brothers. I love that James Storm has the title on backwards, by the way. Are you with me or against me? Only James Storm shook his hand, just saying. I think Harris is going to turn on Jeff Jarrett. That seems like a bit of a... Abyss, I'm talking directly to you. You've given more to TNA management, more to the fan than anybody on the roster. What do you have to show for it? Absolutely nothing. You got scars on your forearms. Are you with me or against me, Abyss? Mitchell's whispering to him, like, are you going to do it or? I think he just asked him, are you Oh, he nodded. Nod. I think he's going to choke him. Oh. Uh, James Mitchell is the one who shook his hand. That means Abyss is also, Abyss and Chris Harris are going to team up. And turn on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett is calling out the alpha male, and here comes the music. That's the missing piece of the puzzle. Is the alpha male with him or against him? Oh, here he comes. Here comes the former NFL linebacker. What side did he come out of? I think that side? I think that's the heel side. Mm. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, it's, I think so. Yeah. Right, so yeah, yeah. So so he's joining them then. Now, interesting. Look at this. They've separated the ring. So AMW and Team Canada and Jarrett on one side, and Abyss is on the other side. Oh, okay. They're fixing themselves. I thought we were getting some foreshadowing. Jeff Jarrett. The Serengeti is not a wildlife refuge. The Serengeti is not a nature preserve. The Serengeti is a place that's meant for the alpha male. It's a place for the alpha male to not be limited by TNA management. Let the alpha male loose, he yells to TNA management. I heard what you had to say out here. And you stepped your, you stepped your dress game up. That's good. Because remember, he made fun of his white pants recently. Mm -hmm. Or actually, well, Christian did, and he made fun of his. But, but anyways. Okay, he called him a liar, but he said, what you've said so far does hold some merit. But what you have said makes some sense. The alpha male lives by three rules. Rule one, kill or be killed. Hunt 
or be hunted? And He's going to fucking join. Survival of the fittest. If the war lines have been drawn, and this is really the battle. Now, Jeff Jarrett. The alpha male is all in. And Jared puts his hand out. Alpha male does not shake it right away. If he says he's all in, he should just go for it, right? There we go. Shakes it. They hug. Bait and switch. Oh, oh. Lights are out. Lights are out. I hear the music. I love this thing song, by the way. Like a lot. So we got the flashing lights. Everyone in the ring is like freaking out. Wait a second. Wait a second. Team 3D, Christian Cage, and Rhino. And of course, uh, there's things not there, but I think we know where the war line is drawn. Bob, are we not leading to a lethal lockdown match in April or there's what? There's no way. There's no way. What do you mean there's no way? There's that... no way. That, okay. If that is your core for babyface group that's weak as shit well who else would you put in that aj he's in the x division anybody other than fucking team 3d well <laughs> okay and we go off there bob what did you think of that episode of impact uh that's fine I'll give, I'll give it a thumbs up i liked it i thought it was good i actually thought that promo there at the end was pretty good so i thought that was fun uh, wow. Okay. Well, we got the tease of Sting, and as we know, we're probably getting teased for another four episodes <laughs> before we see him. At least. And I'm sure they're all going to be with Jarrett in the ring freaking out because the music's playing, but I hope there will be a little bit more mind games than that, but I guess we will uh, see in due time. Um, Bob, uh, I guess... We covered a lot on this episode, so I don't really have much else to say. How about how about you? I don't either. Hopefully, I can figure out my audio for the next uh, episode. That way, I, I can actually hear what they're saying. I hope you can, too. Um, we'll just close the, the player, and it'll work. That would be incredibly frustrating if that's all it takes. But I, guess we'll I almost see. told you to do it during the show, but then if it didn't work, you would have... Uh, who knows what would happen. So we were just going to keep no, going. No, I, I just would have been like, what... Uh... I would have just said, uh, you know, where, where are you at, like, time-wise? I wouldn't have gotten mad. Well, I'm hoping that this it'll work solution. on our next episode, which is yeah. uh, the December 24th edition of Impact. It's the Merry holiday season. Christmas. For those, it's happy holidays, Bob. Not Merry everyone. Christmas. And not everyone celebrates Christmas, so happy holidays. In yeah, but I do. And okay. guess what? I only care about me. Okay. Wow. If you don't, if you don't um, celebrate the same thing as what I do, stop. Don't care. Stop it. Bob's in a don't care mood, and I want to remind, I just tell everyone, I have to see this dude in about an hour and a half, and if he's in this kind of mood today, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, <laughs> and what's going to really suck for Dallas is, like, I got to probably tell him that we can only do this one episode right now because I got to do some stuff, and I didn't realize that uh, Austin was coming uh, right at fucking one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think um, we'll talk off air about that, and we should probably close out the show before we figure out our actual plan for today. <laughs> yeah, all right. And I'm kidding about the holiday, uh, just Merry Christmas thing. Okay, it's a fucking joke. I don't want my uh, DMs to get flooded, even though they don't. So, <laughs> until next week, for Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Conn Jr., and this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast. Oh, God.